This is Women in a Day, a podcast created to give a deep look at the daily lives of women of all kinds, from sunrise to sunset, with Jenny Hauser and Portia Hensley. Hello, and welcome to Women in a Day podcast. We are Portia Hensley and Jenny Hauser. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to it and give us a rating. You can also go to womeninadaypodcast.com. Good morning. I'm Jenny Hauser, and here today we are with our wonderful guest, Allegra Wormuth. Allegra is the assistant principal second violin of the Colorado Symphony. She also has has a huge thriving home violin studio with at least 20 students. She teaches yoga and she is also the founder of Goddess Girls, which is a yoga class and empowerment for young women. And we're so excited to have her here because more than anything else, Allegra is also a mother, but she is a hustler. So when Allegra says that she has three full-time jobs, she means it. So welcome Allegra. Thanks for coming. Thank you. I'm happy to be here here. So Allegra, this is a Women in a Day podcast. We want to know what a day in the life of Allegra is. So why don't you explain one of your normal days, if there is normal? Okay. Well, my normal is very abnormal. I think um, depending on which day of the week, I have a totally different schedule. So I'll take you through the day that has the most of my things and how I try to balance it. Okay. So I like to get up early and have about a half hour to myself where I meditate, might do some yin. How early mm-hmm. is early? Oh, six, which I know isn't very early for <laughs> most families. It is. It, I think it is. It is for me. (laughs) 6 or 6.30. I do love the snooze button. So uh, just depending how I'm feeling, I like to at least ground down, get my thoughts nice and grounded, and get my body moving before I have to take care of anyone else during my day. And then around 7.15, I start begging my daughter to get up for school. (laughs) We have to be there between 7.45 and 8, and thank goodness we only live six minutes away from school. So I'm during that time, I'm taking care of her. I send her off to school, and then if I have a rehearsal in the morning, I then will come back and do a half-hour workout or that's what I intend to do between 8 and 8.30. And I take my shower, I eat my breakfast. What kind of workout do you do? Right now, it depends on the day, but I, I do a lot of the beach body workouts, which are on DVD or you can stream online. That So not varies. yoga? No. Okay. Hopefully during the day I'm doing a yoga class, but it all depends oh, on the day okay. as well. Got it. So I do like a workout workout. And so then I head off to work. I go downtown to Denver. I live in Golden. And then I'll have a rehearsal with the symphony for two and a half hours if it's a Wednesday. We usually just have one rehearsal. Then I come home and maybe then I do yoga or I do some um, mentoring that I might meet with a student who um, is just looking to find her way musically. Mm-hmm. I have a mentoring student who's taking orchestra auditions, so we do lessons via FaceTime. So sometimes during that free time, after my rehearsal, I'll take care of her. We'll we'll meet for an hour or two during that time. And then I teach for four hours. So when you mentor, <clears throat> do you do they fa- find you? or? Well, it- right now I'm working with students that I've worked with before. Like uh, one of my students, she was my student. Oh. 
20 years ago when she was in high school. And uh, she's now taking national orchestral auditions like I did for a long time and just needed some extra encouragement. And so is a mentoring like coaching or do you actually teach her violin? Both. We'll talk about how she's doing in her life regularly. One of my favorite quotes is how you do one thing is how you do everything. I love that. Having her look at how she does her daily things and how she performs under pressure and what things get in her way and are those the same things that get in her way in her daily life. I've been in my job for 15 years. I know the whole orchestra thing. Right. And so when it comes to preparing the music you have to prepare, I've been there. I've had I've been on both sides. I've been the auditionee, I've been the auditioner. So just to give her some extra insight. That's fascinating. So tell us the rest about you. Okay, I'm sorry. And so then I teach 4 hours. I have students that range from age 5 to 17 right now. So what time of the day? Are, like, is Satya home from school now? Or? Um, on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, her dad picks her up from school. Okay. And so they spend those afternoons and evenings together, which is perfect because those are the, the days that I teach. Okay. I teach basically from 3 to 7, 7.30. And either something's cooking in the crock pot or something has been made ahead of time. She usually comes home around 7 or 7.30, and then I'm finished, and then we eat together. And that is an incredibly important thing to me is that she and I eat our dinners together because I haven't seen her all day and I'd like to connect. And unfortunately for me, my brain is still going from the thousand things that I did earlier in the day. Right. But it helps me pull myself into the next phase, which is the wind down phase of our day, you know, mm-hmm. and we eat dinner and we might play a game or uh, we might watch Glee, which is our current obsession. <laughs> or whatever else, you know, we choose to do. How old is she? She is 10. Okay, nice. She is 10. Then, you know, wind down, read. She goes to sleep. That's another begging process during the day is for her to go to sleep. (laughs) What time does she go to sleep? Oh, it's like 10 o'clock. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, she does not get enough sleep. She needs she needs to to really be on her game, which she does really well when she's not on her game, is 10 hours of sleep. But with our life and her energy level, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen because time flies. It sounds like you're really intentional about your time with her, the, the small time that you have with her every day. I am. What are some of the things that you do besides eating dinner together that kind of builds a bond between the two of you? One thing that we started getting into the habit of, and we never discussed it, it just started happening in, I want to say December, maybe late November, was I have one comfy chair in my front room. I don't. We don't have much furniture in that room because it's where yoga happens. But I have one comfy chair and we, we try really hard to sit in it together, which is getting <laughs> harder and harder every month as she grows. But we snuggle every morning. After she gets ready and she's eaten her breakfast and we just have even five, seven minutes and we just we just snuggle and there doesn't need to be talk. She prefers if there's no talking and often I do too. And we just snuggle there and it's kind of like we connect at the beginning of the day before everything happens. That's so nice that you have that. You know, every parent wants to send their kid off with this, like, oh, you know, you're prepared, you're ready for your day. But it usually is so stressful Mm -hmm. that everybody gets super amped up and it's not 
a very relaxed way to start your day, let alone feeling connected and grounded. So that's huge. That's a great idea. It is huge. And I've become very um, obsessed with rituals. And so that is definitely has has become one. I hate starting my day stressed out, as I'm sure. Like, who loves it, right? And I very often I will stall getting out of bed because I know the minute I get out of bed, that call can be all over and you just have to go, go, go. And so, so I just, I feel like we're so much more successful if we are able to start our day, just kind of easing into it as much as possible. I mean, there are definitely days where that's not going to happen and there's oversleeping or I didn't sleep well the night before and I'm miserable. But if that is the norm, I feel, I feel so much more grounded and so much more present in all of my relationships, in my jobs, in everything. And then when you get to the end of the day, you're not like, what just happened? Exactly. Well, how long have you been divorced? It'll be five years at the end of this month. So I know it's hard to gauge because five years is a pretty significant amount of time. But do you feel like your relationship with Satya has changed a lot in that five years? It's just so much stronger and truthful. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would like to say that I'm her main, you know, truth speaker in her life. I I don't see her relationship with her dad. So I don't know what that relationship is like, except for the things she chooses to, to share with me. Right. But I just feel, especially as she's getting older and she's coming into a very, you know, special time as she becomes a tween and teen. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm, I am very aware of what I talk to her about and how I speak about myself. And I just think that I'm I'm incredibly truthful and I try sometimes to hide you know if I'm upset or something's bothering me but at the same time then I'm like no she needs to see this she needs to see she needs to see me fail she needs to see me scared she needs to see me upset I try not to do it too much to scare her but you know it's it's life and I think she will be able to deal with those things in a healthier way if she's seen me go through them and move on from them. Right. And I think that's really important. Is this kind of what made you really want to start Goddess Girls is just seeing the place that Satya is in and the challenges that she faces and the role that you play? Is that what made you think of this? Absolutely. And I have to say, I've been teaching violin for 25 years now. I've experienced a lot of different girls. I mean, boys as well, but somehow my studio always has a ton of girls. Right now I have 15 girls and five boys. So I have experienced, I've experienced girls who are depressed suicidal with eating disorders that cut themselves a lot of heart issues and I know for a fact that they came to their lessons because they saw me as a role model and someone that they felt comfortable with to talk to and it really became important to me to have that relationship with my students, all of them, boys or girls, because I feel it's so important to have role models that aren't your parents. Right. I mean, I'm sure I have, I know secrets that their parents probably still don't know, you know, and, and that is, I feel honored and I need that. I need to know that people 
trust me right. with, with this information. And I hope that Satya feels, of course, that she could tell me anything, but I, I know that having outside role models are important too. Right now in My Goddess Girls, the girls are a little on the younger side. They're eight, nine, ten. They're just coming into that period of time where they start questioning themselves and, and they might feel pressured by society. And if I can get them before they start judging themselves, whether it's about their weight or how they look or how smart they are or anything like that, and they can maintain that confidence, man, wouldn't we all be better as a, the adults? Can you tell us more specifically about Goddess Girls and like explain what it is? Sure. So I started this program uh, two summers ago. I really wanted to get girls doing yoga, but I didn't want to do the kids yoga thing. Sorry to all the wonderful kid yoga teachers. <laughs> uh, they're great, and I think that's important, but I that's uh, young, young kids, when it comes to this kind of thing, is not... That's not my forte. I like this this kind of turning point yes. in 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 a girl's life. I like to work with them, and so we do some yoga. We work on breath work, of course. I I teach them relaxation techniques, but we also journal. Mm-hmm. And so usually at the beginning of class, I'll give them something to journal about that will then feed us into the class what I'm going to talk about, and we chant. I'm absolutely obsessed with all the Hindu deities, and that's one of my favorite aspects of yoga is to learn about Ganesha, who was half elephant and half boy, and all of his stories, and uh, Lakshmi, who's the goddess of abundance and prosperity, and and so then I tell them a lot of stories about these gods and goddesses and how they can relate to their life, mm-hmm. or how you can call upon these when you're having a hard time, and then we'll do Hindu chants based on these gods and goddesses. And they love it. That's so cool. I remember the first, cool. the first summer, there were 18 girls in the class, and we were chanting to Ganesha. And very often, you chant to Ganesha when there is a new beginning in your life. So it was like one of the first classes. And, I, you know, at first, they seemed really quiet. And then they were belting it out. And wow. just watching their faces, mm-hmm. that... That was worth starting the whole thing for me. So this last summer, I did the summer workshop, which was about nine or ten weeks, twice a week. I called it Create Your Own Mythology. So I taught them all about the gods and goddesses. And it was interesting for me because I got to learn a lot more in depth about the ones that I like and some of the ones that I decided were important that I just had not researched. And they colored, you know, they got pictures of all the gods and goddesses. And they learned about the tools and they learned about um, their sidekicks. Very often, the gods and goddesses will have a sidekick. Like Ganesha does have, he has a little mouse. Mm-hmm. So the, the visual is pretty hilarious. But they love that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, because you can you can connect to them on that level, on their 10-year-old level. You don't have to get all woo-woo about it. Do you have a website or how do people go join Goddess Girls or get into your group? Well, I have to say many of them are my violin students okay. and through them they have learned about it. But I do have a website. Okay. It's AllegraWormuthYoga.com. And that includes the Goddess Girls? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My goal is eventually to make this national. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. And to do uh, week workshops, weekend workshops, things like that. 
And I think it's so true what you said about this being the age where girls need that. I think how many people of our generation could have benefited so much from something like this. Mm -hmm. But then you think of what it's like to be a girl now where you don't just have the other girls at your school or in your class to kind of compare against. You have social media, which opens the door to so much comparison and analysis and unnecessary input that I think for girls to have someone and somewhere where they can hear true things and connect on a real level. I think that's just, it's so needed right now, especially. It is. And um, I'll say after uh, the incident of November 2016 with our presidential election, I became more determined to create this opportunity for yes. girls because I do I find it's so necessary. Do I you mean, guys talk about current events or what's going on? Like we what's do. the format? You said that you do journaling. Right. So they'll journal and then we will talk about some current events depending on who's there and I you know got to feel the vibe and if if I feel like it's something that they're going to resonate with or if it's over their heads like like I said right now my the current girls are a little on the younger side um, I did bring up um, oh Lady Gaga back at uh, what was it the Super Bowl or something and she did the halftime show and people were complaining that she seemed looked fat. Because she right. showed her midriff or whatever. Yes. And I just went on and on and on. And they're like, well, I'm comfortable with myself. I'm like, oh, awesome. <laughs> For now. Great. Yeah. You know, but I at least planted that seed. Right. And, 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 you know, because. Do you tell them they're beautiful? I do. do I do. And smart and courageous and brave. Great. And um, totally, you know, support whatever choices that they're making. You right. know, because these girls are amazing. I mean, you know, it, it blows my mind also how girls these days are more open to things that are going on. I just feel like when we were growing up, so much we were sheltered, or at least I felt like well, or they weren't even existing. Like a lot of the problems that girls are dealing with these days just didn't exist like 25 years ago. Right. And I yeah. think Jenny brings up a great point that social media just oh. really just has opened up yeah. everything and access to everything for little people who aren't really ready for all of that absolutely. information. I, absolutely. <laughs> the workshop that I created for last summer, Create Your Own Mythology, I taught them all about the gods and goddesses, and we chanted, and they learned everything about them. And then I made them create their cool. own goddess. Oh, that's wow. awesome. And, they, and, and, you know, I'm very flexible and uh, free with how they present it to us, whether it's a story or a PowerPoint presentation or there were there were there were some there were some the little nerds yeah there were some uh, computer presentations I was blown away by all of them not only the art I want to be a goddess I girl I, know. I want to have a little well, daughter now I know. we have boys we have all I know. boys I actually boys. would love to do uh, I actually created something called Kula Devi which is for it's goddess girls for adult women but that hasn't really taken off yet but that's because I've had many women go yeah. I'm gonna color. I, do, I want I a do. journal. I want to create my own goddess. Yeah. I mean, how amazing just to take the time to think about it. So speaking of that, yes, you are very, very busy. It sounds like your day is full to the brim. Mm -hmm. If you had two or three more hours in your day, how would you dedicate that time? To me. 
Okay. And I would do what yoga. What would you do? You would just do I would yoga. do yoga. I would take a walk down by the creek, which I don't do enough, and that's one of my favorite things to do. I have my little spot where I can see the little house on the prairie mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, building and because that grounds me, and I'm always craving more self-care time. Monday is my sacred day off. I do not work. Mm. I do not work. If there's a symphony thing that's happening on Monday night, I take unpaid leave. So I don't what do, do you do on Mondays? What does that look like? Monday, I, I do the, the um, usual morning thing. I send, you know, I have my time in the morning and then I send Satya off to school and then I'll take at least one yoga class, if not two, before I have to go pick her up. But also during that time is when I, I you know, I, I journal if I haven't had a time to journal or I read. Um, I look at my passion planner and I, I look at my planner, not the things that I have to do, but the things I want to do for me. Right. Um, I might you do a face mask. It's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just things. And and I refuse to respond to any work emails. Oh. Um, that's hard. That's really hard because I love to work. I love to work. And I could work all the time. And I have to make conscious decisions to n- let that go to the next day. We have so many symphony-related questions because uh-huh. it's such a fascinating job that you don't meet many people that hear. But you had said that you decided to become, to really pursue violin when you were a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting to me because I feel like so many kids, whether they're interested in sports, art, whatever it may be, are specializing at a much earlier age. So what drove you to pursue violin in such a serious way? And what did that look like once you really decided to pursue violin? Well, I started playing violin when I was four. My dad first started me. He's a violin teacher and an amazing one, I might add. Is that pretty much a prereq for anybody who really wants to be serious? They need to start at like four or five. (laughs) I don't want to say yes, but I will. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, you might get some 10-year-old whiz kid who all of a sudden picks it up, figures it out, and it's just, you know, they're meant to play. But most people you see who do go into music start at a very young age. So I wanted to be a writer my whole life. Just loved to write stories. That was what I was going to be. And then all of a sudden, I honestly cannot remember why, what made the switch in my head because I've been thinking about it uh, for a few days and all of a sudden when I was a junior in high school I'm like no I want to be a musician and it's like huh well I better get my act together because I now have to you know prepare for college auditions and wasn't necessarily at the high level that I had to be. But you went to college for violin, right? I did. I got two, I have two degrees in music performance. Uh, For my undergraduate degree, I got, I went to Oberlin Conservatory in Ohio. Great school. Yeah. And then I got my master's degree at Northern Illinois University, which is not known as a conservatory or anything like that. Especially for your master's, you want to go specifically to study with a teacher. You can do that for your undergraduate degree, but you know, you want to be specializing. Like I really want to study with this person. And for my master's degree, I studied with Shmuel Ashkenazi, who is the first violinist of the Vermeer Quartet, very internationally known quartet. And most quartets have a residency at 
a university of some sort. That's how okay. they can survive, you know, financially and everything and, and just have a space, a place to teach and everything. You said that you auditioned 13 times. For my symphony job. For your symphony job. Mm -hmm. Is the reason that you're in Colorado now because you've got that yes, job? Yes, I won my job in 2003. So you are, well, let me get it right, the assistant principal second violin. Can you explain what that is? What is the hierarchy of of the violin. So in a in a symphony orchestra there are two sections of violins. There's the first violins okay. and they're led by the concertmaster. So the first chair of the first violins is the concertmaster. And then there's the second violins led by the principal second violin, first okay. chair of the principal of the second violins. I am second chair of the second violins and so my title is assistant principal second violin because I sit with the principal and support the principal and if he does not play a concert cycle then I am principal. And do you challenge to, to move nope. up? No. You just get what you get. You get what, what you get. well when I took the audition 13 years ago we had um we had three section openings, and we had the assistant principal section, uh, second violin opening. And so you basically, when you take an audition, it's because they have an opening in the section somewhere, whether it's okay. concertmaster, assistant concertmaster, principal second, section violin. Um, so I actually took the audition really interested in getting a section job. And what I like about our orchestra is because we have the two sections of violins, we rotate so m most of the violinists will rotate like two weeks, they'll play first violin. And then for two weeks, they'll play second violin and they'll move, you know, they rotate chairs. But they the don't section have leaders chairs. do not. Nope. So okay. then I was like, well, yeah, of course I'll, you know, audition for the assistant principal second. Um, and then I got it. And so I don't move. Okay. <laughs> All I move is from my chair over to principal. So, Allegra, it sounds like with everything you have going on, you really understand what self-care looks like, and you really do a great job of knowing how to take care of yourself. But what is the biggest source of stress that you have in your life? Hands down, money. Why is Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Well, as an orchestral musician, my colleagues and I are not paid what we should be paid, in my opinion. Um, we took quite a significant pay cut a couple years ago, and we have not received any of that back. And, and we're highly underpaid for the amount of work that we do. So it sounds like it's really common then to have like a side hustle as a professional mu musician, which I find so surprising. What are some of the things that other people do to earn money? A lot of my colleagues teach or they'll play um, other concerts like chamber music or kiddie shows, uh, to go into the schools, do that. Yeah. They'll wow. do that. Or they might do something completely unrelated. Yeah. Uh, but that I have to say that that's one of the reasons why I am so busy and I work a lot. I can't say that's my number one reason. That is the probably the practical reason. Right. The reason I do all the things is because I love them all. But... And the things I love to do sure don't bring in a lot of money. None of them do. Right. None of them do. But it so, sounds like you're really happy. Like you're I am. Doing, you're living your passions. I am. so admirable. For the most part, I think I am. There are things I'd rather be doing more of. The teaching, all the teaching. 
I love to teach. That is what I'm meant to do. And if I could do more of that, both yoga, goddess girls, and violin, I'd be much happier. But I have to be really honest and say the symphony job pays my main salary and my health insurance. And those are two very important things. Yeah, you can't mess around with that, especially when you have a kid. Have a kid, and I don't have a spouse. I don't have anyone else to rely on financially. So if I don't do it, it's all on me. And that is, I have to say that that can be very stressful. I was very ill a year ago did not know how I was going to recover from that. And thank goodness I have my health insurance. But if I had not been able to go back to teaching, I mean, financially, it would have been a disaster. So who is your support system? Well, my number one is my daughter. Yeah, for sure. And um, I have to say, I get an incredible amount of support and love from my students and their families, and they mean the world to me. Um, I have a handful of very close friends that I feel like I can talk to about anything and and get it all out and that kind of thing. Um, And my family. Uh, My dad lives in Chicago and my mom and my sisters live in Canada and I don't get to see them very often, but we talk and, you know, can be totally open with them. Right. Um, I have to say my support system I feel is small and private and, um, they're very, very, very important to me, but I keep it all very close knit. Yeah. But what is some of the best advice that you've ever gotten? What are your favorite pieces um, of wisdom that you want to share? Well, like I mentioned before, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And as soon as I heard that quote, I, it really makes me go through my life thinking about it. Like, why do I do this? And where else in my life do that? Do I do that? I just find it fascinating. Don't have to do anything with that information. I just find it fascinating. And the other one is don't try hard, try easy. So often we push, 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 and right. we're tense, and we want something so badly. And often we don't get it when we work that hard to get it. You know, sometimes we do, but often because it's so tense and forced. And if you just relax and just allow things to come your way, of course, setting intentions as you do it, it's like, oh, wow. Mm. That was so much easier and so much easier in my mind and my body than if I had just forced something to happen that is going to end, you know, whether it's a relationship or a job, anything. If you force, it's just not meant to be if you just let it come in. And I think you do such an excellent job of seeing both the big picture and incorporating that into your daily life. You know, I know the things that you're doing right now, although it might not be financially (laughs) awesome, you have to know, like, eventually that really will pay off, but you're not sacrificing your own health or happiness or relationships Mm -hmm. to make that happen. So it really is living in that truth of letting things come at their own pace and just trusting that the next step will be there when it's meant to be there. Absolutely. And that became absolutely essential to me when I got my divorce, just to live my truth and be authentic to me and not for anyone else. And of course, there are days where I struggle with it, as we all do. Right. But at the end of the day, to be like, yeah, I'm good with me. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's so important because that's all we have. 
Well, it is. We are good with you too. We are. Thank <laughs> we you are so, so much, Allegra. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been awesome to have you. And just for all you listeners out there, if you want to learn more about Allegra, which I'm sure you will, you can go to our website, womeninadaypodcast.com. You'll see some excerpts from the interview, some other content that we got that you maybe didn't hear. And you'll also see some amazing pictures of Allegra in all of her many jobs, the many faces of Allegra. She's going to have her own calendar soon. <laughs> and you can learn more. You can find Allegra at AllegraWormuthYoga.com. And you can also find us at Women in a Day podcast on Instagram as well. Thank you so much to Tony Tarbox, our extraordinary editor, and to Hillary Blair for loaning her voice to our introduction. But most of all, thank you to our listeners. 